4: Let's talk about exorcists and exorcism, demonic possession, chastisements, and harassments. That's going to be our conversation today. We have an exorcist on the program. Uh, Father Vincent Lampert is going to be our guest today. He is a priest from the Diocese of Indianapolis, and he has been. um, outspoken about what the church teaches and believes and how exorcisms work, and what does uh, what really happens during uh, these uh, these sessions with the the, the possessed people, um, how many uh, demons are possessing these people all of those questions could come up today in our guest segment with Father Vincent lampert very excited about having this conversation today i think it 's very important for us to have a proper and right understanding. Of uh, of the spiritual combat that we all must face every single day, what's what's truth? What's what's fiction? All of that is coming up in our guest segment with Father Vincent Lampert, exorcist and priest of the Diocese of Indianapolis. Of course, we're going to have a "What's Concerning Us" section, and uh, there is a a great article that I think um, is published over on Breitbart. Uh, Bill Donahue, the Catholic League president, has a list of like thirty two times president joe biden has opposed catholic teaching 32 and this is like we're just we're only months into this so far so that's going to come up in the what's concerning us more than 170 houston hospital workers have been suspended over refusing the vaccine that's kind of a big story uh and there's a lot more to talk about in the what's concerning us as well of course the team is here good morning to you janelle
2: good morning joe
4: praise be to god only good news today right
2: well, I did add a couple of good news in the two. You did, yes, I oh, did. <laughs> it's
4: nice to have some sort of a uh, yes. b- bright, uh, shining, uh, joyful news to all of the difficulty that comes comes our way every single day. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah, praise and be to God.
1: Happy to do it, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading this uh, saying of the day today. It's going to be a lot of uh, very amazing Polish words, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> We'll see now how this goes. hold on.
4: Uh, according to your curriculum vitae, you are an expert in, in the Polish Slavic language, is
1: Slavic languages. Yes, <laughs> I am uh, expert. I took um, th- actually I took four classes in Pol- about on Polish. Well, there so, you go. So when I, when I went to go travel to Poland, we
4: uh, took a couple classes on, uh, on in Polish. So, and according to your contract, we can only use Dominican saints or Polish saints. So I, all I'm doing is following the, the, the agreement. I don't quite recall that. <laughs> um, I think I think if it's a Dominican Polish saint, then maybe, maybe. We, then we can
1: talk. Then <laughs> we can talk.
4: All right. Well, we're going to do things a little bit out of order today. Adrian was just reminding me. So we're going to do uh, breaking news and stories. We're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And then at 15 after, we're going to jump into our conversation with Father Vincent Lampert. And is he staying for two segments? I think he's staying for two segments, yes, right? Yes, sir.
2: He's staying for two segments. All right.
4: So then we will do our What's Concerning Us and the last segment of this hour. That's at a quarter, uh, about 45 after. So stick around. So much to jump into and conversate about. Uh, again, Exorcist Father Vincent Lambert is on our program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the supreme pontiff and upon all the clergy give perseverance to the just convert sinners enlighten unbelievers bless our parents friends and benefactors help the dying free the souls from purgatory and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love amen in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost amen and now the headlines with janelle a
2: taking a look at the headlines today a building collapse in south korea has killed nine people and injured eight A Del Rio border sector chief says we've had about 49 people die at the border this year. In other news, a study has shown that people who have recovered from COVID-19 are unlikely to benefit from the vaccine. Guangzhou's recent outbreak brings renewed attention to the effectiveness of vaccines. Vatican News says the UN pushes for an end to HIV-AIDS by 2030. The United Nations General Assembly overwhelmingly adopted a declaration on Tuesday, calling for urgent action to end AIDS as a public health threat by 2030. It however expressed alarm that the COVID-19 pandemic has exacerbated inequalities and pushed access to AIDS, medicines, treatments and diagnosis further off track. The declaration urged the Assembly's 193 member nations to implement the 18-page document, renewing, reducing including reducing annual new HIV infections to under 370,000 and annual AIDS-related deaths to under 250,000 by 2025. It also called for the elimination of all forms of HIV-related stigma and discrimination and for urgent work towards an HIV vaccine and a cure for AIDS. Reuters reports Biden drops Trump attempt to ban TikTok, WeChat, orders new review. President Biden Trump on Wednesday withdrew a series of Trump-era executive orders that sought to ban new downloads of WeChat and TikTok, in order to commerce department review of security concerns posed by those apps and others. The administration of former President Donald Trump had attempted to block new users from downloading the apps and ban other technical transactions that Chinese-owned short video sharing app TikTok and WeChat both said would effectively block the app's use in the United States. The courts blocked those orders, which never took effect. A separate U.S. national security review of TikTok launched in the late 2019 remains active and ongoing, a White House official said declining to offer any details. The White House remains very concerned about the data risks of TikTok users, another administration official told reporters. The Biden order directs the Commerce Department to monitor software applications like TikTok that could affect U.S. national security as well as to make recommendations within 120 days to protect U.S. data acquired or accessible by companies controlled by foreign adversaries. From the Epic Times, PragerU censored by video platform. The often censored Prager University has been dropped from service by yet another technology company, apparently because of its conservative pro-American educational videos that it says has attracted more than 5 billion views over 10 years. New York-based W. JW Player, which claims to have a global footprint of over 1 billion unique users, kicked the nonprofit off its video hosting platform. While it continues to serve left-wing media outlets The Young Turks and Vice, which generate videos that, according to PragerU, divide the country and teach young people to resent America. The move came after a JW Player blindsided PragerU, claiming to have updated its community guidelines after which it decided not to review the annual service contract claiming without providing any evidence that PragerU's content is misleading. And those are your headline news for Thursday, June 10th. God love you.
1: The saint of the day is Blessed Bugu Milus of Nianzo, or something like that. He was uh, born in 1135 near Dobrov, Poland. He was born to the Polish nobility. He was twin brother of who studied in Paris, France. He was a priest and served at Holy Trinity Parish in Dobrow, Poland, a church he that he built himself. He was a chancellor of Genozo, Poland, and had a great dedication to the Blessed Virgin Mary and loved solitude. The Archbishop of He became the Archbishop of Genozo in 1167, through the five years of his episcopacy, he was opposed by his own clergy for his insistence on a strict adherence to the clerical discipline and simple lifestyle. He resigned his see in 1172 and became a commandos hermit in Undov, Poland for the last decade of his life. He died in 1182 near Unidow, Poland, of natural causes. On his deathbed, he received a vision of Our Lady and the Christ Child surrounded by angels and beckoning him to heaven. He was beatified on the 27th of May, 1925 by Pope Pius
4: XI. Blessed Bugumelus pray for us. Praise be to Jesus in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 5, verses 20-26. through 26. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, You shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court with him. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen. I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. To those who who much is given, much is expected. I think that should be one of the key uh, lines in your mind when going through this particular passage. St. Chrysostom said, by righteousness is here meant universal virtue, but observe the superior power of grace in that he requires of his disciples who were yet uninstructed to be better than those who were mere masters under the Old Testament. I mean, let that sink in for a moment. He, he calls these, uh you know, mostly fishermen, tax collectors and the like, to uh, who are uninstructed. I mean, St. Paul is an exception. He comes later in the book of Acts, right? But these guys, they're having to do something that even the old masters couldn't do, and uh, According to the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, Jesus here introduces a new covenant standard of righteousness that surpasses the real but insufficient righteousness of the old covenant. And I think this is a key uh, thought to be also dwelling on today. You know, there was, uh, when... Exodus 32, the worship of the golden calf. They're turning their hearts back to paganism. They're turning their hearts back to life in Egypt, the life that God was trying to save them and bring them up out of that land, set them apart from their pagan neighbors in order to save their pagan neighbors. That was part of the goal. But because they turned their hearts back to paganism, they had the remedial law placed upon them. And they lived in that remedial law all the way up until the time of Christ. Well, Christ has now fulfilled all of that, and it's time to do away with the remedial law. It's not good enough to just have the, the Ten Commandments and these 635 precepts. No, we have to understand what is the point, what is the goal, what is the intention of this law to live right, to live righteous, to be holy, To be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. To elevate our existence from the here, the now, this, this earthly existence as being the, the end, their goal, but rather heaven being our goal. We are mere pilgrims upon the way. And I think that's really key to understanding what Jesus is getting at. But notice the progression too. He, you know, in the, uh, in the, the statements he makes in this passage, you know, if you simply just have an angry sentiment within, well, that's a problem. You can be liable to judgment, he says. And then you say the slightest thing. This is the slightest insult, the raka. Well, now you can go to the Sanhedrin. That's elevating things. You're going from judgment to Sanhedrin. That's a step up. And then the, what's next? You say something that's truly provoking and insulting. You fool. Well, now you're subject to, to the hellfire, to Gehenna. Now Gehenna is a valley south of Jerusalem where they used to offer their babies to Moloch in sacrifice and it became desolate and so they only burned trash there and so there was a fire that was always burning and this is the image Jesus uses to uh, to give us this vision of hell that consumes the worm dieth not right so there's this elevation of an interior disposition moving from the slightest you know forward and the punishment's ramp up as they go but here's the kicker at the end of this passage. Who do we have to be reconciled with? Your neighbor? Yes. Yes, of course. Yes, yes. But Augustine would say this, quote, perhaps then it is God with whom we are here enjoined to agree. He may be said to be our adversary because we have departed from him by sin and he resisteth the proud whosoever then shall not have been reconciled in this life with God through the death of his son shall be by him delivered to the judge that is the son to whom he has committed all judgment we need to be reconciled to God (laughs) yes our neighbor but are we reconciled to God let's go to confession sooner rather than later amen Don't go anywhere. On the other side of this break, Father Vincent Lampert is our guest, an exorcist in the truth about the diabolics. Coming up next.
2: Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past, while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu.
1: Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro life organizations, offering their clients a faith based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org.
4: That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is great to be on with you. Praise be to God. I want to thank GloryAndShine.com for their generous sponsorship of our program. They are a family-owned and operated uh, Catholic company that produces uh, personal care products, beautiful packaging and a generous sponsor of our program. Their website is gloryandshine.com. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Father Vincent Lampert. He is a priest in the diocese, uh, Archdiocese of Indianapolis and an exorcist, and we're very grateful for your time this morning, Father. Thank you for being on. Yes, it's good to be with you this morning. Now, praise be to God. Uh, Indianapolis, most of my family is from Indiana. Uh, you know, uh, so more of the... the South of Indianapolis, mostly Cloverdale, you know, Terre Haute, places like that. But uh, so I have a, 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 I've been to Indiana many times in my life and I have a deep connection there. So it's, a, it's such a beautiful part of our country. Um, but I want to jump into uh, your work as an exorcist uh, because. I think it's one of those topics where most lay-, lay folk get our information from some of the greatest sources in Hollywood about, uh, about the devil, the diabolic, and, <laughs> and most people are just def- simply afraid uh, to educate themselves on the topic. And I, I find that um, rather curious because once I personally uh, heard from exorcist exorcist and even like Adam Bly, a demonologist, for instance, I felt empowered by the information and I grew in confidence in our, in our faith versus uh, more scared or nervous or what have you. So I, I would like to start by saying, what are some of the biggest myths in your career as an exorcist that you've had to debunk?
5: Well, the the first thing I would say is that one of the reasons why I'm public about the ministry that I do is to help educate people and to debunk a lot of the myths that are out there. Many exorcists that are appointed may opt to remain anonymous, but I've always felt that it's important today to help educate people, because a lot of people today have a mentality that dualism, that somehow God and the devil are on the same playing field, and they're kind of equal in their power. And certainly people need to realize that the devil is still a creature, and there's no way that a creature can be elevated to the same level as God, our Creator. So that's one of the main things that people need to realize, is that once we fully understand who the devil is and what he's capable of and his limitations, then we come to realize that the devil is nothing to fear. That's a great point. Um, I, I wonder, have people
4: even realized that's what they're doing? Like they they're they're saying and believing that, but they don't know that they think they know that they're saying and believing that they're sort of elevating the devil to a platform that he doesn't deserve or doesn't doesn't possess. Uh, so that's an excellent first one. What about what about more of the uh, sort of the more of the salacial details, sort of like the, the bombastic elements of demonic possession? Do do you find that like people are overly fascinated with the the, the spinning of the heads, levitation, <laughs> frothing at the mouth stuff?
5: That's usually the only stuff that people want to hear about. You know, the manifestations of the demonic always attract people's attention. There's a joke amongst exorcists that if you're going to give a talk about Jesus, about 20 people are going to show up. But if you're going to talk about the devil, 200 people are going to show up. (laughs) We're always fascinated by the manifestations of the devil the spinning heads, the levitation, eyes rolled in the back of the head, foaming at the mouth. These are all things that I've seen over the years. But then, you know, at some point you just realize that these are all theatrics of the devil because the devil basically is saying, look at what I'm capable of doing. So he wants to distract people away from the power of God that God wants to enact in people's lives. So as an exorcist, I'm not really focused on what the devil is doing. I want to stay focused on what God is doing to help bring, bring relief into the life of somebody who is being afflicted by the evil one. You know, Father, I was talking to
1: my cousin the other day, and we were discussing the fact that, uh, she was saying like, oh, you know, my, they're not Catholic. Uh, my, my uncle is a former Catholic and the rest of them are not Catholic at all. And, uh, my cousin was saying, yeah, my mom just bought a, uh, some tarot cards and she like, you know, she doesn't actually believe in it or anything. And my sister has some and she kind of plays with them. And, uh, and we went to New Orleans and we were going to all those shops and buying the stuff, but that voodoo stuff, it's not really real, right? And uh, could you please uh, explain what's going on here? And even if you don't believe in it, like, what's the problem here?
5: Well, the main problem is that it's inherently evil. There are ties to the occult. And just because somebody may be using these things as a form of entertainment doesn't negate the fact that there's a demonic component to it. Oftentimes, people can open up an entry point for the demonic into their lives indirectly. They're doing things that they believe are fun and entertaining, but in reality, they open up people's lives to evil. Even St. Paul mentions the fact that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light, and he deceives many people. And there's a lot of people today that are being deceived by things of the occult, again, believing they're just fun and entertainment, but again, they are entry points for the demonic into someone's life. And, you know, right now, what's really popular is this social media
1: platform called TikTok, TikTok. And it's uh, really popular among young people. And right now, all over TikTok is promoting of uh, these uh, healing crystals and using crystals and uh, manifestations of like willing it to the, willing something through the universe. All these things are very, very popular on uh, this social media platform targeting young people, especially children. Um, and I think it was um the Teen Vogue put an article about how to do magic with uh, women's uh, menstrual you know there and so the cycle, and so how do we respond to these situations, the crystals, the manifestations, all these things that are targeting
5: our our children, our young people? yeah, I don't think people realize that their involvement with all these things is violating the first commandment that we should never have a substitute for God in our lives, and when people turn to the things of the occult, whether it's uh crystals going to see a psychic or a median, practicing magic. All of these things are condemned in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament because, again, people are looking for a substitute for God, and unfortunately, the substitute that they're looking for is themselves, and that's the fall of humanity in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve when the serpent says to Eve, surely you will not die, you will become like God. And a lot of people today Want to substitute themselves for God, and they use these things from the occult to try to convince themselves that they have powers and abilities.
4: Father Vincent Lampert is our guest. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He's also an exorcist, and uh, I believe you you were brought
5: into the ministry by your bishop in 2005.
4: Was that is that correct?
5: Yes, I was appointed in 2005. The Archdiocese of Indianapolis has always had a stably appointed exorcist. Even when it fell out of practice in many dioceses after the Second Vatican Council, Indianapolis has always had one. So when I was appointed back in 2005, I became one of twelve stably appointed exorcists in the United States. Today that number has grown to about 125. In your time as an exorcist, what's been the most uh, nerve-wracking situation you've ever been in in this ministry? I think one of the biggest challenges is that oftentimes when people contact me they've already self-diagnosed mm. meaning they've gone on the internet they've done their own research so rarely do our people contact me saying father there's something going on in my life can you help me figure out what it is the majority of people already believe that they're possessed and they need an exorcism mm.
4: And that's been the most uh, nerve-wracking or stressful component of your apostle is just dealing with all – I mean, uh, my wife would probably say that I'm possessed most of the time, so (laughs) I think it's all relative. But I imagine that uh, the the rite of exorcism has a very systematic approach towards figuring out whether or not someone is experiencing something supernatural versus something more mundane.
5: Yes, you know, I get about 2,000 calls and emails a year Wow <laughs> from people all over the United States, even other parts of the world, who believe they're dealing with the demonic. So, you know, I try to network with other exorcist priests throughout the world. I belong to the International Association of Exorcists, so if I'm contacted by somebody, you know, from a different country, I'd reach out to a priest or a colleague that I know there. Here in the uh, United States, I would reach out to other priests and other dioceses. But yeah, the biggest challenge is really trying to work with the volume of callers. But that tells me that faith is in decline in the lives of far too many people today. Wow. Because faith in God will lead us in one direction, and the lack of faith will lead us in another. And I think that the reason there's such a high volume of callers is that faith is no longer relevant in people's lives. And then when they encounter something they can't explain, they believe they need to talk to an exorcist. (laughs)
4: I I spoke to um, Adam Bly, I guess it was a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, I I assume you're familiar with Adam Bly, the demonologist from Pennsylvania. And one of the things he said to me was, um, "The sort of this diabolical, this paranormal activity is on the rise in our society. Do you see that? Has that been your experience?
5: Absolutely. You know, I always say that it's not that the devil has upped his game, but far too many people today are willing to play the devil's game. So you look at, again, people's involvement in the occult and in witchcraft and magic. You look at a lot of shows on television today. There's such a fascination with the devil, the occult, and those types of things, paranormal activity, ghost hunting, you name it, and people are just really fascinated. And the danger is, because these things are inherently evil, that people can be opening up an entry point to the demonic in their lives. Because ultimately, if people are living out their faith— There's nothing to fear. Do, so is it substantially higher? I mean, are we, he
4: said it was like hockey stick uh, charting uh, the, the, the uh, amount of activity, amount of exorcisms and, and the work that needs to be done to help these people.
5: Do, is that accurate? Do you see it the same way? Hockey stick-like chart growth? Yeah, because when I was appointed back in 2005, I got maybe one or two callers a week. Right now, I'm getting eight to ten calls a day. Wow. wow.
1: Oh my wow! Goodness. So, what is your your? We have about two minutes before we go to a break. But uh, is your day to day work now just just being an exorcist now, or do do you still
5: do a lot of parish work? I I'm the pastor of two parishes in Brookville, Indiana: Saint Michael the <laughs> Archangel and Saint Peter. So I have two parishes as well as uh, the exorcist. So I do have somebody that helps me. I think having a sense of humor is a good thing. So the lady that's my helper that helps go through all the calls and emails, I call her my ex or assistant. So. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I think when you deal with people that are, you know, kind of on the fringe, so to speak, yeah. uh, a good sense of humor is a good way to stay grounded.
4: Exorcist humor. I love that. That's great. <laughs> I can only imagine the jokes when you guys get together for your, your <laughs> conference. <laughs> uh, Father Vincent Lampert is our guest. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He's also an exorcist. As you have been listening, we've been talking about that. We're, we're about ready to go to a break here in just a moment. Uh, one of the, the last points, I want, you'll probably have about 30 f- seconds or so. Uh, the curiosity killed the cat. That's a thing, right? I mean, lay folks, we're not entitled to know all the... is to know and sometimes you know because we think we ought to know it can get
5: us in trouble right absolutely yeah there are parameters that we're called to live within you know obedience is one of the key words that's uh that needs to be tied to a life of faith and certainly adam and eve were not obedient to god and look what happened so obedience is a key element that needs to be a part of all of us all of our lives on our spiritual journey
4: all right, hold that thought. Father Vincent Lampert is going to stay on with us for one more segment, so we're going to go to break, and we're going to come back and continue our conversation about exorcists and exorcisms, what we ought to know, what we need to know, all of that coming up in the next segment. Don't go anywhere. Got the Drive Time. We'll be right back.
0: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say... The Catholic Church is just out of touch. It's going to have to change if it ever hopes to be relevant in today's world. But G.K. Chesterton says, We do not need a church that will move with the world. We need a church that will move the world. It's not that the church has to change, it's that the world has to change, and it's up to us as the church to change the world. That is the call to conversion. We don't convert the world by giving in to it. Chesterton says, the world is converted by the saint that contradicts it most. I guess that explains why in an age that worships money, sex, and power, the most influential woman in the modern world was a tiny little nun taking care of the sick and dying in the streets of Calcutta. Want more than a minute? Visit chesterton.org.
4: Be the Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Great to be on with you this morning. Father Vincent Lambert is our guest. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He's also an exorcist, and he is graciously giving us an opportunity to ask questions about exorcists and exorcisms, the diabolic possession, harassments, and chastisements, and all of that. We're very grateful for being on the program today, Father. Thank you again. Uh, before we went to the break, we're talking. To, I I'm brought to the point of the you know curiosity killed the cat. I think that's it's one of the big issues. Uh, us humans, but I'm thinking in terms of lay folk in particular, we, we sort of feel like we're entitled to know everything. And, um, and that can sort of drive us to make decisions. And I feel like that's one of the ways in which uh, we can be tempted to, uh, to uh, commit sins. And so, to that end, in, in regards to exorcisms and exorcists, I, <clears throat> that these demons smell that on us, don't they? I mean, like, when people want to participate or like when lay folks say, can I come hang out with you while you're in an exorcist session, or exorcism session, rather, I mean, the devil can smell uh, the the weakness there, and and then they do certain things to exploit that, do they not?
5: They do. You know, the the devil works on people's memories, imaginations. The devil can watch and observe us, kind of uh, identify what our weaknesses might be. And then use those as to be entry points into our lives. So if people have a, a fascination with the occult, with ghost hunting, those types of things, people are actually giving the devil and his demons an entry point into their lives. And again, just because people think it's fun and entertaining, doesn't negate the fact that you know the devil is trying to uh, to use us. And people also need to realize that we can never use the devil. You know, we might think that sometimes we have the upper hand when it comes to the demonic, when we're engaged in occult activities, you know, like a psychic or a median. The Church would say that person does not have the power that they think they have. Either they've been duped by evil that's working through them, or they know it's the evil working through them, and they go along with it because they want the notoriety, the attention, the money, or whatever it might be. So... There is that danger where people might begin with a sense of curiosity, but then it leads to a relationship with the demonic, and then people's lives will begin to spiral downwards. Uh, Father, I wanted to go back a little bit to what you had said a second ago
1: about the fact that your diocese has had an exorcist perpetually, uh, whereas a lot of places it kind of fell off. What is the belief in, in the spiritual world and in demonic and spiritual warfare among the clergy, the bishops, and the like? I'm thinking of specifically when the uh, the, the great scandal, when the, the superior of the Jesuits came out saying that the devil wasn't real. And uh makes me remember the quote of C.S. Lewis saying that the greatest trick the devil ever played was to convince people that he wasn't real. So what is the belief in the devil among clergy and bishops like today?
5: I think that opinion is varied, even though the Church very clearly teaches that uh, evil is personified in what we call the devil and his demons, it doesn't mean that uh, everyone within the Church actually accepts that belief. Even in 1972, when Pope Paul, at a Wednesday audience, spoke about the reality of the devil, I think his comments caught a lot of people off guard, thinking that somehow after the second vatican council and going through the 1960s that the church had left uh, the devil behind and that if evil did exist it was nothing more than humanity's inhumane treatment of one another but the church has always consistently taught from the very beginning that evil is personified in what we call the devil and his demons but it is true that even within the church even within the hierarchy you will find a lot of people that simply reject that belief and how did that belief started to fall off? Cause you said that
1: it was after the second Vatican Council. So what happened at that time period that caused mm-hmm.
5: belief in the, in the demonic to, uh, to plummet? I think as we began to grow in our understanding and knowledge, our own intelligence, so to speak, that somehow we believe that we outgrew the need for the devil. So you look at here in the United States and the Western world, you know, we believe in a lot of, uh, you know psychology and certainly that does need to be factored in but just because psychology is being factored in doesn't mean that we reject a core belief that's been a part of catholicism from the very beginning you know I as an exorcist I've been able to travel to other parts of the world when I was in south africa for example a few years ago there's a culture that readily accepts spiritual realities but i think here in the west we don't because we believe that somehow we're in control of everything, mm-hmm. so there must be some pill or medicine that people can take <laughs> to get rid of that delusion that they're dealing with, the demonic. And that reminds me
1: of, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine, and we are talking about how, you know, we can find good in, all, in everything because, you know, God is good and God is true, so that means everything, there must be some nugget of good and truthfulness in all things. And so we should learn from from uh, the secular society and learn from these kind of things. And my point was, you know, whenever we were, he was referring back to like Aristotle, Plato, and that kind of thing. And I was like, the pre-Christian societies, there was something there because they're striving after reason in a in a way that they were unexposed to the Christianity. But we today in America and uh, and across the Western world are in a post-Christian society. We have we had Jesus, we had Christianity, and we rejected him. Uh, Does this factor in into the way, the reason why spirituality and is on the fall and demonic activities uh, seems
5: to be on the rise? Yeah, I think that's a great point because there's a difference between exorcisms performed in what I call the apostate world and the pagan world. So, in a part of the world where someone may have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ, And if they're possessed, the exorcism is immediate and effective. Sometimes people will ask, well, why do exorcisms have to be repeated? Jesus commanded the demon to leave once and it departed. But why are they repeated in the Western world? And it goes on to what you just said. Christianity built Western civilization, but now we unfortunately have a lot of people who uh, no longer believe. Mm. And people who have rejected the gospel once they've heard it, it does seem that the demonic has a greater hold on them.
4: Father Vincent Lampert is our guest. We have about, I don't know, I guess five minutes or so left in our conversation with him. Um, Father, I want to talk about the, sort of the essence of what happens during an exorcism. I think one of the misunderstandings that I've uh, personally encountered, not only in my life but in the life of people I've talked to, is that there's a misunderstanding of, of how things work in the spiritual realm. There's an order and there's, uh, the, it's very legalistic, is what I've been told. Can you talk about that?
5: It is very legalistic. So, uh, just as much as there is a hierarchy within the angelic world, there is a hierarchy within the demonic world. So demons still operate under certain parameters that God permits. You know, for example, one time I was um, working with somebody who was possessed. And when the demon manifested, the demon told me that it did not have to leave because the person had invited the demon in. Mm. So the demon was making a claim on the life of the person because they had made a pact with the devil. But you could say that in an exorcism, the devil or his demons are commanded to return that which they have stolen, namely a person created in the image and likeness of God. We as humans can grow in holiness and virtue and because we can grow in holiness and virtue, we can reject uh, any, you know, connection with the demonic that we've made. The demons would try to convince us otherwise, but again, you know, you look at many of the great saints of the Church, they had some pretty story past, but they were able to overcome their past sinfulness. I think of St. Augustine, for example, mm. and then went on to be a great saint of the Church.
4: Uh, again, we're down to like two and a half minutes or so. Uh, one is… Uh People just can't be possessed arbitrarily, correct? I mean, I think that's one of the fears is that the the devil can just enter people at will and do whatever they want, and uh, and that's just not the case. No.
5: No, I mean, if that was the case, we would be living in a completely chaotic world. So demons, again, can only do that which God permits. And again, we do have free will, and if we use our free will in such a way as to create an entry point for the demonic, then the devil will certainly take advantage of that. But a a demon cannot just arbitrarily jump into someone. People have asked me before during an exorcism, is there ever the danger that the demon will jump out of one person and into another? We should never give the devil more credit than he is due. That's a powerful understanding, the trust in God
4: in all things. What about all of the manifestations that seem very scary, Uh, the the, the crazy voices we hear, the sounds and and the levitations and all of
5: those things? Should uh, should we have fear of all of that? No, again, all those things are meant to be attention-getters. You know, you think of a child throwing a temper tantrum, wants attention – And so the manifestations (laughs) of the demon are really a temper tantrum because the demon wants to say, don't look at what God's trying to do here. Look at what I'm capable of doing because the devil wants to instill fear. And if we give in to fear, then we lose our sense of hope. So, again... You know, over the years I've learned not to pay attention to the theatrics of the devil because I want to stay focused on the power of God. The human person is created in the image and likeness of God, and if we've made a connection with the demonic and we want to reach out to God, God will always take us by the hand. Oh, down to just about 60 seconds. What about
4: uh what about prayer? Uh should someone lay hands on someone else and pray over them and cast
5: out demons? Well, Pope uh, Benedict, when he was Cardinal Ratzinger, made it very clear in 1986 that the only ones that should be giving commands to demons are the priests that have been authorized to do that ministry by their local bishop. So again, exorcism is a liturgical rite within the Catholic Church, so there is a prescribed way for it to be done. Certainly, we can pray for other people. I would call that a supplicating exorcism, which is a prayer directed to God, and certainly we can pray to God for anyone that we believe that is afflicted. Excellent. God bless you, Father Vincent
4: Lampert. Thank you very much for your time today. We're very grateful to you and for your, uh, your apostolate, your ministry, to educate and inform us on this incredible topic. God bless you, and have a great day. I would encourage our audience, if you know anybody who's got issues, call your local diocese. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time in just one minute.
6: We were made for God's beauty and love but we so often settle for things that can never satisfy us.
2: One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey.
6: It's easy to get attached to what we call the good things in life, such as possessions and success. These participate in God's beauty and goodness, but are still a shadow of that true goodness and beauty which is our inheritance. In his rule, St. Benedict reminds us that when this happens, our priorities are probably not in the right order. We should use the good things of this life rightly and not seek in them a security or a satisfaction they can never give us.
2: For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com OneMinuteMonk.com
6: If we gradually detach ourselves from what culture calls the good things of life, we can attach ourselves more strongly to God's goodness and beauty, which never fail.
1: Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
2: Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle, Lay, and here are your headline news Romney pushes Microsoft for answers over apparent search censorship of Tiananmen Square massacre. Kamala Harris blames problems in Latin America, not Biden policies, for a U.S. border crisis. And Massachusetts Catholics called back to mass. LifeSite News reports Texas governor bans segregation based on vaccination status. Texans who opted not to take a COVID-19 vaccine can't be punished for their refusal. On June 7th, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a new law that stops private businesses and government offices from asking clients for proof of vaccination. He announced the new law in a tweet that stated, Texas is open 100%. Texans should have the freedom to go wherever they want without any limitations, restrictions, or requirements. From the Epic Times, Texas City becomes latest to ban abortion passing the Sanctuary for Unborn Ad- Ordinance. The City of Levelland, Texas voted to become one of the latest municipalities to ban abortion and declare itself a Sanctuary for the Unborn. All four City Council members voted in favor of the ordinance, which states, It shall be unlawful for any person to procure or perform an abortion of any type and at any stage of pregnancy in the City of Levelland, Texas. LifeSite News says Canadian government looking to create border biometrics authority to validate travelers' vaccine status. The Canada Border Services Agency, or the CBSA, says it has an urgent need to create an office of biometrics and identity management that could be used to verify the vaccine status of all Canadian and foreign travellers who enter the country. A tender notice, or Notice of Proposed Procurement, NPP, posted to the Public Services and Procurement Canada website on June 7, states that the CSBA already has three companies with experience in the biometrics field who are interested to set up the new biometrics office. Recently, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau told reporters that travel restrictions will be eased for those who are fully vaccinated. The CSBA NPP was posted only shortly after this announcement. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Thursday.
4: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Janelle, for keeping us up date. Today. today we did the, a little something different today. We... We wanted to get Father Lampert on, and he couldn't uh, come. He couldn't stay to the top of the hour, so we switched things up and got him on earlier. But in, in effect, we had a longer conversation than we normally would have. So I really enjoyed that. I would love to have had another 45 minutes or something to just dive even deeper on the subject of exorcism and exorcists. I mean, it's so fascinating. I have, um, I can remember, and I wonder from you, uh, the audience. and We're going to be chatting with you for the next 10 minutes or so. Uh, until we have to say goodbye at the top of the hour, but I wonder how many of you have had mis, uh, misconceptions um, about exorcism in your mind. Do you get your? Have you been sort of ill-educated from Hollywood as I had growing up? I mean, I watched the movie Exorcist. How about the Exorcism of Emily Rose? I mean, uh, now it's like every four or five days there's a new movie about about diabolical possession, most of which incorporates. Uh, you know, like a nun or something like that, right? A priest or nun, and that's another thing. Hollywood, you notice they only go for the Catholics. So there's n- almost never, uh, you know, uh, Protestants involved, except for there was a movie back in the, I think it was the '90s, late '90s, early 2000s, um, about uh, uh, it was what was it called? Oh God, you I can't remember what it was called. At any rate, it, it sort of it, – it was a hit piece on the Catholic Church. It, it tried – it was supposed to be a good possession, a possessed person but with a good spirit, not an evil one. And then ultimately they were, you know, trying to say the Catholic Church is bunk. So it was a total hit piece. And um, that's generally where people get their information from, Hollywood. Right, and I think that's why we part of the reason why we had Father Vincent Lampard on today was to just dis- dispel a lot of those myths about what actually happens uh, during these these occasions. And one of the surprising things I think a lot of people don't understand is one the legalistic nature of, of the, the spiritual realm, and number two that exorcisms aren't one and done events. Uh, as he said, they can take even years. And I think that was surprising. Well what surprised you, Adrian? You know, I really enjoyed talking to Father and we'll definitely have to get him
1: back on in the future. But, you know, one thing that I really found very fascinating is the idea of a post-Christian society or what he was saying, a, an apostate society versus a uh, what did he call it beforehand? A um, a pagan society. A pagan society versus an apostate society. That's cr- incredibly fascinating to me and it's the reason why it fascinates me so much is because I have this discussion with friends all the time about a pre-Christian and a post-Christian society and they say, well, you know, we took Aristotle, we Christianized it, we took um, and Plato and Christian it and why can't we do the same thing for communism? Why can't we do the same thing for um, secularism and all these other isms of today? And my point is always well, these pagans of before Christ, these were just people trying with the light of their own reason, with the light of their own reason, trying to grasp at the truth of God without divine revelation. Mm. And the same is true all across the world before uh, the uh, apostles came throughout the world to preach. But then whenever we have separated from Christ and we have rejected him, well, then we go way off the rails because we accepted Christ and we took on the truth and then we become like Julian the apostate and reject him outright. And from there, there is even though, yes, technically speaking, there is something true. There is something good. There's also something true, and something good about the devil himself. So, but we wouldn't say, oh, we should accept the devil and yeah. the good parts of the devil. No, of course not. No. And so we have to reject a lot of these, uh, these post Christian ideas and,
4: and philosophies. You know, even today in the gospel, as I was, uh, using verboom.com forward slash grn to, uh, to do my research on the gospel meditation today. Even Augustine brings out the point that uh, you should have, there's no friend in, in the devil, and you should have nothing to do with him. And it's, even the early church fathers understood the spiritual combat better than I think we do uh, in our modern times. We, our curiosity kills the cat. I brought that up because it's so true. We think we deserve to know everything. We think we're entitled to everything. And uh, and we just get ourselves in so much trouble all the time. One of my favorite uh, saints or blesseds is uh, uh, Blessed Bartolo Longo. Um, and I've told his story many, many times. He is a guy who was very well-educated. He, he was sort of a bright star. He went to university very young, he lost his father when he was, uh, I think he was uh, like 12 or something like that. And he ended up leaving the Catholic faith and going full on in, in the occult, becoming a, a sort of a, a sort of a satanic priest of sorts, leading seances. He had a personal demon that he communed with all the time, and it drove him mad. Near He was on the brink of of committing suicide which is what his his demon was trying to get him to do and uh, he by the grace of god encountered uh, an old professor friend who just about practically smacked Dominican. him. I uh, said, so, well, hold on. It, it, the professor first smacked him upside the head. Like, what is wrong with you? How could you leave the church? What's I? And then dragged him by the ear, practically, to a Dominican priest who uh, who, who, who argued with him uh, and got him, challenged him. He put a rosary out on the table and <laughs> put it across and said, all right, there you go. You know, I dare you. I double-dog dare you to pick up that rosary and pray it. Well, he got him to go to confession and got him to pray the rosary, and that literally saved Bortolongo's life. He committed the rest of his life to uh, perpetuating the rosary because uh, the gifts, became a Dominican. because of the gifts that come with that, because of the promises, because of the graces, <laughs> because, because he was trying to avoid becoming a full-on Dominican, is what I would argue.
1: Yeah, so, he, he became uh, a Dominican, uh, uh, and so
4: that's how you know he was well, third order, so great. Yeah. Same thing. Same but thing. yeah, he, he actually, tra- he actually re- rejuvenated the faith in the Valley of, of Pompeii. So at any rate, uh, I, I think it's fascinating conversation because we are so given to pop culture on the very topic and the fact that you can't just be possessed any old way. And there's really, it's, it's God's will. God has to allow it to happen. Uh, and either God's allowing it to happen and for to bring about a greater good. And the other way is you uh, basically open up wide the door through your participation in the occult. And there's a lot of stuff in this world that are slippery slopes down towards the occult. Um, and you got to avoid these things. I the Look at the Ouija board is a great example. Somebody put that in the com box over on Facebook. As a kid, uh, we played the Ouija board. Oh, my goodness. And I remember one night... Uh, at uh, 14911 Guernsey Street. I remember the address. This We're talking 1984 or something like that. Playing the Ouija board in my bedroom and the window just gets slammed hard, like out of nowhere. Nobody's even close to the window. It freaked us out. I never went back to that board after that. I mean, that that's all that took for me to go, mm-mm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. And I certainly wasn't a practicing Christian or anything like that, uh, but it really was freaky. But, you know what? There was a lot of, uh, lot of things in our life that we participated in. How about pornography? Pornography. You open wide the door because you're committing mortal sins. You're opening wide the door to possession, to harassment, to chastisements, and, and all the rest. Um, and we have to close these doors. And how do we do that? Through the sacraments, through confession, through living in a state of grace, and, uh, going and receiving the, the Holy Eucharist on a frequent basis while in a state of grace. And there was a comment,
1: uh, on Facebook about that saying there is nothing good about Satan. And yes, I will affirm there is nothing good about Satan. Uh, but at the same time, uh, what I was saying about Satan being there is some good and tr- something true and Satan is the fact that well the fact that he exists for one uh, existence is better than non-existence and so anything that exists is so is uh is good and true and beautiful to a degree but the further you separate from God the less good and true you become but to be completely 100% not good and not true is to not exist at all and so there's something good like for instance the powers of the devil those mm-hmm. are good powers they're just being used for evil uh, the truth of the devil that I mean the devil mixes truth with Lies, you see. We see whenever our Lord uh, and the, is tempted by the devil, he quotes scripture at him, and so he's saying true things, but it's manipulating the truth yeah. and it's deceiving you yeah. because all, everything has a nugget of truth and goodness in it. Otherwise, we wouldn't, we would never even approach it. Uh, so there, that's why, uh, that's what I, that's only what I meant there. But yeah, yeah abs- absolutely reject the Satan entirely, completely. Uh, there's nothing good
4: and true and beautiful about the devil that you should desire. Amen. Well, praise be to God. There was some. Uh, there was a bunch of other questions I would have loved to ask, but we, we ran out of time. Speaking of which, we are out of time for this hour of Catholic Drive Time. Now it's a special week here on the Catholic Drive Time uh, team here because it's Shareathon week on the Guadalupe Radio Network this week, which means our second hour gets pushed back to 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern. So hopefully you can h- hang with us then. Uh, but if you can tune into the GRN Sharathon, we would love to have you. I know the uh, the Station of the Cross ran theirs in the spring and i heard it was a success so praise be to god for that thank you for supporting your local catholic radio station keeping the doors open lights on and catholic radio waves flowing in your community is vitally important in a digital age trust me trust me it is so god love you and thank you and by the way if we double our goal at 9 a.m i get to shave adrian's head pray for that god love you god bless you we'll see you back here tomorrow morning 6 a.m central 7 eastern for catholic drive time keeping you informed
3: everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
2: I have some friends who are Catholic who say that you don't have to believe everything that the church teaches, whether it's in the catechism or not. Is that true?
3: No, it's not true. If you want to call yourself Catholic, but you want to pick and choose for yourself which of the church's teachings to accept and which to reject, you give everyone else who calls themselves Catholic the right to do the same thing. For example, you believe women should be priests. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1577, it states, Only a baptized man validly receives ordination. For this reason, the ordination of women is not possible. You don't believe that? Well, that's fine. I just made this a catechism of your Catholic Church, but not mine. But remember, if you can throw doctrines out, so can everyone else who calls themselves Catholic. That gives Joe Parishner over at St. Doubting Thomas Catholic Church the right to throw out the church's social justice teachings. He doesn't feel like feeding the hungry, caring for the poor, and all that other bleeding heart stuff. Paragraphs 2401 to 2463. I just made this a catechism of his Catholic church, but not mine. You believe contraception is okay. Paragraph 2370 says contraception is intrinsically evil. Joe Parishioner doesn't like what the church teaches on the death penalty. Paragraphs 2364 to 65. You don't like what it teaches on these pages, pages 505 to 508. He doesn't like what it teaches on these other pages here, pages 610 to 615. Can you see what's happening? I heard it said once that there is a shortage of vocations to the priesthood in the United States, but no shortage of vocations to the papacy. If we don't believe in all of it, if we each appoint ourselves pope and throw out a doctrine here or a doctrine there, then our faith is no longer Catholic. A beacon of truth in a troubled world.
1: This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
4: Welcome
0: to your Catholic